This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is a major week for earnings announcements as companies from Pepsi to Starbucks, Tesla to Boeing, GE to Facebook, all reporting on how they did the first quarter of 2020. And everybody wants to know how the pandemic has affected their business and what, if anything, they'll tell us about what they expect for the future. And there are two companies that we are particularly interested in this morning. Amazon, which seems ideally positioned for a world in lockdown where everybody is dependent on them to deliver everything from essential goods and groceries to streaming video and music. And of course, the AWS cloud that powers like half the internet. And another company, Google, Alphabet Inc., which is kind of like the center of the online universe and also has a cloud service. But Google is way more dependent on advertising than Amazon is. And the concerns about companies spending way less on ads right now has brought that once trillion dollar Google down to a mere $900 billion range company. We're going to be telling you how we're trading these two stocks, what other earnings we're keeping an eye on. And it's all coming up on Dumb Money Live. This is Dumb Money Live with Chris Camillo. Dave Hansen and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. Welcome to the show. We are uh, on Earnings Watch this week. Four companies in history have had a trillion dollar valuation and they're all reporting this week. Apple, Amazon, Microsoft and Google, which, as I mentioned, they slipped under that trillion dollar mark recently. Uh, last week, we actually saw a, a bunch of companies reporting earn, earnings, and the majority of them beat their estimates. I think it was like 65% came in ahead of estimates. So, Chris, first off, what do you think? We'll talk about why, but first, how do you think both Amazon and Google are going to fare this week? So, I continue to question myself every minute of every day because these trades are so big, especially on the Amazon side, and we've done so well on Amazon the past six weeks. Um, and it could change between now and earnings. <laughs> yeah. as, as you know, you've been getting texts from me pretty much 24 hours a day since our last show with articles and research and data on Amazon and Google. But as of this moment in time, I am long Amazon, short Google uh, into earnings. And we'll, we'll t- that's what today's show is about, is, is the why, and not just the why as to why I'm long you know, at least I'm long Amazon, short Google, but what the risk factors are in that trade, because there are definitely risk factors. There's no doubt about it. And this is trying to balance risk reward here. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not feeling awesome right now. This is a, this is a nerve wracking week. I got to tell you, this is a very nervous trade going into this week because expectations are pretty hard to gauge right now. No, absolutely. It's kind of all over the map. Jordan, what are your thoughts on these two companies? So, I mean, yeah, it, it, it seems like those are the right calls. But at the same time, you know, Amazon's up to all-time highs and Google's sitting like, what, 25% or not, not, maybe not that yeah. high, like 12% off their highs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. right around where they were at the beginning of the year, maybe. Um, so, um, but yeah, I think there's big downside risk on Google with, uh, you know, with, with advertising taking a hit. Um, and that's something we've been trying to get a, a handle on is where people are cutting their budgets. You know, Google has a very broad uh, advertising base that includes a lot of small, medium-sized businesses. We saw Snap report last week where their ads were down big, but not uh, but the stock went up because I think it was uh, the revenue grew 58% January and February, slowed to 25% in March. in April, but they're still growing ad revenue at way smaller things. Google ad revenue could actually, the the, the growth of ad revenue could go negative, right? Well, I think there's two things going on with both these earnings calls this week. One is the data, right? The data that comes out with earnings. Two is what they say 
Exactly, because what we learned yeah. from Netflix, I mean, Netflix had an earnings call last week that was, I mean, their their numbers were more spectacular than anyone on the street and anyone off the street. I don't care who you are. Nobody expected Netflix to have the subscriber ads. Their subscriber ads came in, I think, over double what the average street was. I mean, there was a lot of talk about them beating that $7 million, uh, estimate by a million maybe 2 million they beat it by 8 million i mean it's so it was so insane but, but can was, we talk about how how it just really doesn't make sense to even have these estimates right now i mean we're we're talking about this new normal we're sheltering in place trillions of dollars of stimulus money being dumped into the economy companies can't provide guidance they don't know what they're doing well, analysts they, can't really know what they're doing but but Netflix did something that was even worse than not providing guidance. They came out with one line in their letter that essentially said that this what they're experiencing now and what they will experience next quarter might might be even maybe likely is to be a pull forward of revenue from later this year. And that one line essentially rendered everything else irrelevant okay yeah. because the market took that as this is a one-time event for netflix whatever we get now we're going to pay for later in terms of less subscribers which is by the way i think a complete false way to look at those netflix numbers as i described last episode this is a breakthrough moment that basically yes it pulls forward some people but you're going to get certain people to subscribe that wouldn't have subscribed now or later this year because of this event. And then a portion of those people will stick on just because the most difficult piece for them was actually pulling the trigger on a Netflix subscription. So whether yeah. you think it's 20% or 80% are going to stay for the next five years, those are people you wouldn't have had before. Plus you're going to get all the other people you would normally get this year through kind of natural attrition from uh, you know regular cable right and Directv to uh, over the top Netflix type services. So I think the market really got it wrong. That was an opportunity, and because of that, I actually kept half of my Netflix position through earnings, and I still have it right now. Um, now, could we get yeah, the same thing I, I also here? kept my Netflix position. I'm I I think that Netflix is a company I want to be in long term, and yes, I I get what they reported, but it's still I think. This company is going to do well. Yeah. So, so, but does that happen with, you know, our long? Well, I think we're all long. Amazon. You're all does long. Amazon. Amazon. Does Amazon say one thing in their earnings call that no matter how good the numbers look, that one thing? Because that's how that's how anxious everyone is right now, right? That one thing. Yes. Could when especially Amazon that's trading where it is, it won't take much. Amazon is basically trading at their all-time highs right now, where most companies are not near that. Amazon's uniquely positioned, though. But you've seen in the past, Amazon will come out during the earnings call, and you know they're they're long-term visionaries. They're going to be dominant long-term, but they'll come out in their earnings and disclose things like, "Well, we've we've decided that this is the perfect time to amp up our spending, and we're we're not going to." We're not going to be profitable for another 50 years or, you know, whatever it is they decide to do. Um, that could really spook the market. By the way, and, Dave. And I mean, we know we know for a fact that they're spending a ton with their uh, hiring 175,000 people. They've already hired the first 100,000. They're giving all of their hourly workers a $2 an hour raise. They're also like upping their uh, their overtime pay to not time and a half, but double, I believe. So they've they've already announced that that's going to cost them an extra, I think, $500 million in payroll. That's more than they had initially planned for. So let, let's dive into Amazon first. Um, yeah. the, by the way, that for me, that is my biggest risk factor going into Amazon earnings. It's not, it's, it's not the numbers per se. It's what Amazon says about the future. What is that, Dave? Is that your uh, your your CNBC in the back? <laughs> no, that's actually us. Uh, I guess my oh. phone decided that this would be a perfect time to listen to our own show. <laughs> so, so it, it, it's it's really what Bezos and the team are going to say in that report, how they're going to guide and how conservative they're going to. Are they going to use it? Because listen, 
the one thing that Amazon has been very good at, which has been bad for investors at times, is kind of notching us all down to reset expectations because yeah. all what they care about is the ability to use the strength to spend more money, right? They want to use they, they spend more money into strength. So if this is the strongest quarter they've ever seen, which it likely is, they might use that as a hey, our stock is already at 2400 right now. We don't yeah. need it to go to 3000 this quarter. Let's reset expectation. Let's use this as an opportunity. People won't kill. Listen, even if they kill us by 10% for saying we're going to spend an insane amount of money the next year or two years, that's yeah. still going to take our stock only down to 2100, 2200. Well, we can live with that for now, right? You know yeah, how absolutely. they think at Amazon. And they, they may announce that they're re-engineering their entire logistics structure and it's going to cost them billions and billions of dollars. Or they may talk about uh, just any kind of cost that is unexpected by the market could move this stock down. Even though we love the stock long term, I'm nervous about holding call options that expire right after earnings. I, 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 am, I am as well. So I'm, I'm taking, listen, you know, I quadrupled on Amazon a few weeks ago. I actually quint, quintupled, is that what you call it? A week and a half ago, um, I, I've now taken that down to just a triple my core Amazon position going into earnings. So I still have a pretty levered Amazon position, but it's not nearly as long as it was, um, as risky as it was. So on Amazon, there's it's a tale of two. And Jordan, this, this is where we really need to get your opinion. And I've spent all weekend studying kind of the different components of Amazon revenue. Not that we haven't done this every quarter for the past 10 years, but now it's more important than ever that we don't miss anything. And I think a big part of this story for Amazon, you have your grocery business, you have your kind of core uh, Amazon Prime delivery business, right, for products, which is which has changed quite a bit this quarter. We can talk about that. But AWS, AWS is so important. The Amazon Web Services, there are so many opinions on this. I was blown away at the opinions of analysts being across the board in terms of, this is going to help AWS sales. And then the other half of sell-side analysts are very conservative. They're saying, hey, this might actually hurt AWS sales this quarter. The reason being is that, one, you just they're not going to sign up any new customers right now because you know people are not going to make major changes in their IT budgets and in terms of implementing major new systems during this period. And that is likely to last all year long. And that is a really short negative viewpoint on AWS and also for Microsoft and also for um, you know, Google Web Services as well, the Google, Google Cloud, because our, our, is the new business, the new business that they would normally get this year, is that going to slow down or completely go away for a while until everyone is back to normal? Now, the other side says that that might be true, but the lift, the lift in AWS revenue just from, and Jordan, I really want you to address this, just from the increased traffic, web traffic and e-commerce traffic and the instances of more people being on e-commerce from existing clients, existing AWS clients is going to make up for the loss in new business, okay? And then there's another viewpoint, which is whenever this does normalize and people get back to kind of business and, and, and normal life, that there is going to be such a massive movement at that point to cloud computing that it might be delayed, but a year from now, Microsoft, AWS, and even Google Cloud, they are going to see a surge in business. So there's just a lot of opinions right now on the most important piece of Amazon's business, not even to the mention the piece that people are really thinking about, right? So Jordan, could you help us understand, because this is the one thing Jordan built, he's been on AWS building platforms in AWS for a decade now between our company, eCarless, Dave, back in the day with Jordan, and then also the, the me and Jordan's uh, ticker tags. He's done nothing but build AWS businesses. And I want to help me help us understand, Jordan, and our followers, how does an increase in e-commerce or Netflix traffic, how does that actually increase revenue for I know it does, but could you explain it? I know there's two parts, like there's like the the uh, the instances of like computation, and there's also just the storage. Do both of those get impacted? One of them, like how does it work? Yeah, so I mean, there there's a ton of different um, systems on AWS that um, that can be used. The what you've got to think about is that there's 
kind of two houses in what you'd use AWS for. There's like the front of the house. So like Netflix streaming services, um, things like that. There are going to be uh, like Zoom, I think, uh, uses AWS to auto scale up some of their web conferencing. Um, and so you probably will see an increase in usages uh, across those things. Um, people tend to auto scale them to where if you see a big surge in demand um, that um, basically you're going to fire up more instances, more databases, things like that, um, which will increase you know, your cost um, on AWS. I think the the danger here is that there's also non-essential services, right? So like, um, uh, you know, you're doing any backend processing, you're doing any business analytics, uh, um, any large BI pro- projects. And those tend to be, uh, oh, and large compute projects. So like anything that's in the sciences, um, uh, anytime you're doing um, big data science with GPUs, all those things are more expensive per compute unit. Um, and that's where I'm afraid that people might cut back is they're, they're not doing as many, you know, research or science based things right now. Um, just, you know, with the, with the climate, I don't know if those budgets have dried up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, your front end resources, things that are going to drive your website, you know, Netflix is the largest user of AWS. I think um, what their monthly budget is like $19 million on, uh, on AWS. And we saw in their earnings call, um, that their cost didn't really, there, there wasn't really any appreciable in, increase in their cost to be able to serve traffic, right? Um, and so I don't know if that's because um, they've made some changes um, well, or they've got they've a contract that, or they've got a contract that, you know, kind of limits whatever their downside is on, you know, scaling up instances. Anybody that has that big of a budget with AWS isn't paying what you they're know, not paying what Johnny startup pay. is going to use. Right. Yeah. 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 They don't have the same terms. So, um, you know, they probably have, you know, you know, they probably have a little bit of leeway with how they're able to ramp up a little bit more than like a normal startup would. So it's really hard to tell. Right. I mean, I, you know, people don't really disclose, you know, who else is a big consumer Apple, um, but we don't, mm-hmm. they don't really disclose what they use AWS for. I would assume it's, um, you know, iCloud, uh, maybe their music streaming, something like that. I doubt it would be for their video streaming. I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, but, you know, are people's iCloud, are people upgrading their iCloud accounts and using more storage and things like that during this whole thing? And I, I don't really think they are. Uh, maybe they're taking a handful more pictures or something because they're hanging so out with kids. But. On, on Netflix, I wonder if it's because, listen, Netflix, their, core, their actual fiscal quarter that they reported on they received a tremendous number of new subscribers. And this is something that I think a lot of people don't understand because their revenue wasn't up. Netflix revenue didn't really move up. Their earnings didn't really move up last quarter because most of their new subscribers came in at the very, very tail end of their quarter. So maybe that's the reason why, Jordan, their usage on AWS wasn't up because most of the quarter, like I don't think AWS is going to report huge numbers for this past quarter. It's more about the next quarter, right? Which is the sure. one we're in now. Yeah, sure. So if they give guidance, maybe they can, maybe they'll speak to that. Uh, but yeah, so like two thirds of the quarter would just be business as usual. Yeah. Um, right. And so, um, yeah, maybe, maybe there's we not that big that, of an impact. We know that Netflix uh, at the request of many governments actually reduced the bandwidth, which is going to reduce their usage yeah. of mm-hmm. AWS because yeah, so they downgraded was, from like, was, 1080 to 720, kind of yeah. like Chris does. <laughs> no, I think he's at 320. <laughs> my iPad should, my iPad Pro should be here maybe yeah. today. Um, yeah. Hey, so Jordan, how about, I, I love what you just brought up because man, I, I'm no joke. I have literally read every, I was reading CIO like white papers this weekend on this, trying to educate myself on everything related to AWS so I didn't miss anything. And yet I didn't read one person talk about what the second piece of what you mentioned, which is kind of the higher price AWS services. A lot of that being stuff that like, I know that we know that hedge funds run a lot of those models in the back end, right? Experimental models, just testing and experimenting and researching based yeah, on different- Yeah, probably companies. aren't as big, but if you think about things that are really scientific, like trying to, you know, generate weather forecasts and things like that. Those things, I mean, oh my goodness, those things use tons of CPUs. So um, the question is, are those people, uh, what bi- What do you think are the biggest sectors? Is it like health, biotech, is it? Or is it like, because I think biotech- Yeah, biotech uses sur- a ton. It's yeah, sur- so- they're surging right now though, right? So like, right. I think those are, do- they're doing better than ever and probably maybe even using, mm-hmm. who knows, maybe more. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's definitely a possibility, especially with things that are concerned with the current, 
you know, problems that we're facing. If, you know, maybe there's something that somebody's trying to sequence that's not quite as pressing that they're not getting as much funding for right now, maybe those die back. But, you know, any of your big guys that are trying to figure out what's going on with COVID or any sort of, uh, you know, virus related research, maybe those are, maybe those are going up right now. Um, so those generate a ton of data too. So they've got storage costs and they've got, uh, they've got large um, co- compute costs also. Speaking of AWS, just a, a negative and a positive popped in my head from my research. Uh, the negative, potential negative, I don't know, being unlike Microsoft uh, and Google, uh, AWS, from what I understand, and we know this, Jordan, they have a lot of like startup traffic. Like a lot of the tech startups are on AWS. And, and I don't mean like a hundred of them, like a hundred thousand startups, right? There's, or, like, or, there's or, like over a million businesses that use AWS, I think, yeah. is the last stat that I saw. So, so it's, if it's those crazy. are smaller companies, that could be a net negative for AWS. Um, Maybe, right? Because it, look, if you're going to do business right now, you've got to figure out how to be online. And so if you're going to say, you know what, we're going to figure out how to make revenue, we're going to do something you have to be doing it online. And so I think those types of activities are going to be a net positive for AWS this quarter. I think the net negative ones are the ones that are more speculative type research or people that were looking at transitioning, you know, just back-end warehouse um, projects over to the cloud. Maybe they hit the pause button on that for a few quarters. Um, and so I think it's going to be mixed. I think there's positives and negatives here. Okay, um, I think a huge positive, I, sent the, I think I sent you guys the article this weekend, uh, uh, Microsoft, which has been the biggest thorn in the side for AWS the past year, Microsoft, and we all own Microsoft too. They've been crushing it with Azure the last year, but they had some massive, massive bad customer like downtime uh, this the last sixty days. And so it even noted that a couple, two or three of their largest clients um, were complaining. Um, about and they're ha- they had to like apologize and come up with a new plan to fix yeah. that, right? Well, this is the biggest upside for using. I mean, I don't want to be an AWS commercial here, right? But the biggest <laughs> the biggest upside for AWS is that people realize that Netflix grew their entire business on AWS, and AWS had to learn how to be a better web service platform because they were addressing the massive scale that Netflix um, introduces, right? And so that's. You know, that's that's where AWS really shines. And so I think, you know, a lot of startups realize this. I think the people that are using uh, Microsoft Cloud, you're sure there are startups that use Microsoft. And so maybe they kind of go that way. Um, but you, I, I think you see a lot of like those infrastructure transfer projects over to over to AWS because those fit more into into that, you know. So, so AWS is not going to pick up those clients. They're not going to move from, from Microsoft to AWS. But let me tell you this. as a, I'm a sales guy, right? My Almost my entire career, a part of it in ops, but a lot of it is in sales, business development, strategic partnerships. And if I was head of sales for AWS, and by the way, we're very close friends, or used to be with the head of sales over finance for AWS. I haven't talked to him in a while. But uh, I would be using that. Could you even imagine when we come out of this, Jordan, how how you would use those situations to be like, hey, you saw what happened to Microsoft during the pandemic. They failed. They literally failed with their biggest clients. I mean, that has to be a big story in that world. If you're in partnerships or biz development or sales, you're going to use that. It's also a story that you brought up earlier that what AWS does is they take their cash flow and then they reinvest it into their business. And it's going to be the same story this quarter with AWS. They're going to talk about, um, you know, what they saw at, you know, CloudFront and all these, you know, forward-facing portions of their business. And they're going to say, hey, look, you know, we found this, this, and this. And so we're going through and now we're going to spend to address all those things. And so it's going to be even better for our customers in the future. Yeah, for long term. But short term, yeah. they could take a hit to the cost Maybe. side. They make, yeah. they make those investments all the time. and. Right. Here's here's a chart just showing a breakdown of Amazon's 2019 revenue. So um, AWS always has an impact on the stock, though. We, you know, we see these these surprise um, AWS n- numbers that that uh, were more than people expect, and it moves the stock. It's it's 12 percent in 2019. It was 12. But, uh, but, but Dave, it's like 70 percent of earnings, right? 70 or 80 exactly. percent of earnings, yeah. So it, 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 it's, you know, sales, it's not monstrous, but earnings, it's like almost everything. And that leads to and another question. And that's why it's question. so important. We've been talking about that all morning. 
Um, so, but we, we can also talk about the other aspects of their business. So online online stores is half of their business, and they have been they've literally had to turn off their recommend you know recommended products when you when you buy this you might also want to buy this they turn that off because they have too many sales right now. Yeah, and so what else did they do? They turned off. Uh, they essentially cut their affiliate rev share by 70 percent. Um, I think what's really important, and this is a big thing that everyone's talking about. Amazon uh, online stores, okay, At all everything that Amazon, even Amazon third-party seller services, these were historically pretty low-margin businesses. Amazon has spent a massive amount of money in the last 24 to 36 months scaling out that business, a lot of it to get to same-day delivery. The issue with that was the expenses were through the roof. And the revenue would take a very long time to catch up to the infrastructure costs that Amazon had to absorb the last two years. So that was a big knock on Amazon was this going to really negatively impact their business for the next couple of years. Whoa, what happened, though? The scale because it would take so long to scale up to be able to make that one uh, same day delivery efficient and cost productive for the company. Now we've seen what five years of growth happen in one quarter, right? So is that the savior for Amazon? Is Amazon going to come out this quarter? I'm not saying they are and say, you know what? Because they have such high fixed costs, the fixed cost of going to one day delivery. And because they had to basically push to the edge, I mean, they had to get distribution closer to the customer and building out that distribution was so expensive for Amazon. But now that they expent that money, now the demand is caught up all in one quarter. Is Amazon going to come out and say, you know what? We've been able to exceed that fixed cost. And that piece of our business is now actually, at least for one quarter, uh, profitable, like really profitable, like beyond just the one and a half, two percent that everyone's been talking about in the past. It's been so worrisome for Amazon. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could. And have people just seen stories about Amazon being the only company that's doing well in a pandemic and that's you know drove driven the stock way up and we're going to see profit taking when they whatever they say we're going to see people just say oh you know that's it i'm out dave that's very valid i, that I mean that's absolutely- that's not what i'm i'm not selling my stock but i'm just nervous about my call options well, do you have call? Oh, I have calls. Yeah, we both. You, you have calls that are expiring. After <laughs> we have those fourteen hundreds. Yeah, we have the fourteen hundreds. And 1400s. listen, I'm nervous. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little nervous. Um, listen, I, I I don't know how we trade this this week, Dave, because like we we, I think all of our data on balance for Amazon. If you have to look it on balance, I think we have to be long, right? We don't. We agree. We've been talking yeah. about this for weeks, and especially this weekend, but. There is app, there's definitely risk there. There's so we just talked about it. There's market perception, market expectations. AWS, there's still a lot of questions. What Jordan brought up, how much of it's on the experimental side, on that computational of the stuff that's really juicy for yes, AWS. You, and you mentioned you mentioned, um, and I didn't realize this, but they turned off their recommended uh, like you you bought this, so now you should buy this. Yeah. So that's they actually that so that's interesting because that's a computationally expensive thing to do. Um, and so I don't know what the reason for this was. Was it a cost thing or? No, it was It was they had too many sales and they needed to slow they down the rate at the which sales. people were ordering. They found that that increased cart value by 35%. And they're like, nope, we don't, we don't need the money right now. We would rather be able to deliver essential items and not recommend that, oh, because you bought a bag of coffee, you might also want to buy a coffee machine. I wonder if the other part of that story was that they also had um, competition for resources on the AWS side. And so they'd rather sell those resources than consume them themselves. It's just a thought. Okay. That's, could be, that could be wrong. But that's No, Jordan. I mean, that's that's actually super interesting thought there. Uh, I don't think any that's on not on anyone's radar, but that would be an awesome sign, right? I mean, if if their computational resources are fully absorbed, I mean, that has to be nothing but great news, right, <laughs> for Amazon. So, I, listen, I, I, that makes me think of one thing. I want to talk about this because it's so critically important, both on the Amazon trade and the Google trade. The reason why I'm long Amazon and short Google into what is going to be a really volatile week and expectations are all over the place is this whole, we talked about it so many times, uh, black swan strategy, right? So the black swan strategy, because you know everything we do is based on arbitraging information. 
The black swan strategy essentially um, tells you that the market is always going to underprice anomaly events. Okay, so I think we potentially have two anomaly events. I think with Amazon, I think we, everyone knows it. It's an it's an anomaly event on the long side in terms of traffic to their web store, right, delivery, as well as potentially an anomaly event for AWS. The market doesn't really understand how to even price it or believe it. Like you can say we're in a worldwide pandemic and AWS is at full capacity and they're delivering every product out of web that they potentially, the market doesn't know, they're not never gonna believe that story until it actually unfolds. Because if the best Amazon has ever done is this, they might notch it up here in a pandemic. They're never gonna notch it up there. That will never happen because that's not the way markets work. Markets don't price in that extreme of an anomaly. And if you actually believe, like we do, that Amazon is experiencing that big of an anomaly type of a black swan event, there, my, and I truly believe that there's an opportunity to arbitrage that because the market just is always going to be cautious or afraid to price that in until it's been proven, until it actually has been validated and verified. You know what I'm saying? And now when we talk about Google in a minute, the same thing on the opposite side. Um, but that's why we're willing to trade into this earnings because we believe that the market is not capable. They're just not even capable of pricing in that type of an anomaly. So we might be wrong, and there's a lot of risk here, but at least that's our strategy. That's our thought process going into Amazon earnings. And Chris, uh, I do know that we have a hard uh, stop today at the one hour mark, and we have hit the 30 minute mark. So it's time to remind you to smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm. If you're not already subscribed, be sure you do subscribe. We're gonna talk about Google in the second half here. Yes, uh, but, but before need... Google, can we just say one more thing about Amazon? Two little yes. things that I think are, are interesting. Uh, it's not the driving force for Amazon. And by the way, do give us a thumbs up, please. Please give us a thumbs up. We need The algorithm really does need it. But the Twitch, okay, is also on fire. It's a subsidiary of Amazon. You know another subsidiary that no one really talks about that much? And I don't think it could be a needle mover, but who knows? It could contribute. Ready for this? Audible. Audible. We're all talking about books right now, right? And how yeah. hot books are. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Audible. That's, that's, a, that's a section that they'll report into their um, subscription revenue along with Amazon Prime, I believe. So if if we see a, a jump in subscription revenue, it, it may be some new people signing up for Prime for the first time. And it may also be, th th I don't think they individually break out things like Audible, but that's a, that's a good thing. People are People are needing ways to entertain themselves and listening to a book is something that people may not have tried before and this is the time they're gonna do it. Yeah, so so Audible is an underappreciated, uh, you know, like I said, it just brings people into the Amazon world um, and it's a subscription business as well. So that's why, that's why, oh, by the way, we're not financial advisors. We're not giving you advice. Our risk tolerance is very different from yours. This is for educational and entertainment purposes only. So please don't do what we do. Just understand how we think and apply that thinking to your trading. <laughs> yes, thank you, Dave. Uh, so let's talk about Google. What, what do you got? I mean, I have some some big things to think say about Google. What do you guys think? My biggest thing about Google is their reliance on advertising and the complete collapse of the advertising market. That's that's it. That's all. That's my biggest concern with Google. And you know that chart that I pulled up earlier showing the breakdown of where. Amazon's ad revenue um, breaks down into their whole thing. I got to find this here. Here is the percentage of revenue in 2019 that Alphabet, that Google had. 81% of their revenue was from advertising. And their cloud service was 6% compared to Amazon, which is 12% of, uh, of Amazon's revenue. They're all ads. And that ads revenue includes uh, their search business. It includes their uh, YouTube business. It includes their off Google uh, ad network business. But it's pretty much their whole company. So, Dave, um, and listen, Dave, you, you spent 10 years. I mean, you, your years at Yahoo, you spent a decade at Yahoo, but that was kind of after the overture days. I was working in Marina Del Rey back in the late 90s, 
And all my buddies were working down the street at a company called Overture. I was working at a yep. company called BizRate. And Overture was the largest search company in the world before Google, right? Yeah, uh, it was originally uh, GoTo, and they rebranded as Overture, and they invented the whole idea of pay-per-click advertising. And Yahoo was like, oh, well, we need to do that. And we were, we were building our own platform at the time, and it was not very good. And so... Yahoo bought Overture, and then it took you know years to ever integrate, and never worked out so well. <laughs> and we copied we copied Overture at BizRate to some extent with our marketplace model. But what was amazing about Overture is, unlike Google that used technology, Overture literally just had thousands of people. Every time you put in a campaign as an advertiser, they would match your keywords manually and price it out, and like literally build you an invoice. It was the dumbest old school way to do search marketing. But what's fascinating about this, at the time Google came out, and I I have been watching you know Google advertising as a guy that used to work in that space since 1998, 97, right? And I am blown away that in 2020, they are still adding new advertising companies, not a few of them. They are massively growing their advertising business 20 three years later, but that's 23 years of millions and millions and millions of small business, right? Of, of every every sector in the world. Like it is the easiest advertising to turn up and to turn down, right? Yeah. And that's- right. You basically set your per day budget. And if you were spending, you know, $10,000 a day on Monday, you could spend zero on Tuesday. Yeah, and our, our buddies, we know we have buddies in the agency world and uh, some of them are very close to us. And the first thing I asked them was, because they have a restaurant, uh, they do restaurant advertising, right, for a lot of restaurant chains. And we said, you know, how badly is Yelp getting hit right now? And, and the first thing that came out of my mouth, they're like, well, we'll talk about Yelp, but like literally we've turned off every Google ads, AdWords campaign that our restaurants have, like gone, like they're shut off, right? Yeah. So Shut down the restaurant, the, the dining room isn't open. Even if they have a delivery business, there, there may be some need for advertising there, but that may just be through companies like DoorDash, just having a presence in, in a delivery search engine like that. So Barry Diller came out and said that Expedia is cutting their, Expedia, I think probably the vast majority of their advertising is likely search, right? Um, mm -hmm. And they're shutting, they're reducing that from 5 billion this year. He says they'll be lucky to spend a billion this year. Amazon has got to be, okay, let's talk about Amazon. First of all, we, what we didn't say about Amazon that I think is one of the biggest pros, also similar to Peloton, we talked about this last week, Amazon is essentially closing down their own market. They're not marketing, right? Like yeah. they've turned, they've announced, I think already that Amazon. One of they, the things they did was they, you know, every time you Google something and if it's a product, there's going to be an Amazon ad that sends you to Amazon to buy yes. that product. That doesn't exist anymore. Do you they think Amazon doing that? Is Amazon had to have been Google's top customer, right? Had to. I would been. think they'd be one had of the be. biggest because they were in every product search result ever, <laughs> ever. And, so, and you often would click on it because you're like, oh yeah, why didn't I think that Amazon? Yeah, of course I'm going to go to Amazon and buy that. Yeah. So I mean, Amazon's turned off their advertising. Good for Amazon. They got so much business they don't need to advertise anymore. Google is the biggest beneficiary of having Amazon as an advertiser. They've lost Amazon. I mean, so many companies have come out and said, we're not advertising. I know small business is not advertising. I know hospitality and restaurants and hotels and travel. And, and like it, it, the list goes on and on and on and on, right? There's been, so I think a lot of these ad tech firms have come out and said that the ad rates on Google have gotten cut by about 30% from what I heard. Some have said 50% yeah. or more. Um, I was trying to find a good way to measure that, and I, I could not find, um, other than other people's reporting, I couldn't find a good way to try to, you know, use the Google platforms to figure out what ad rates and impression rates are doing right now. So so we know, guys, we know, everybody knows that Google advertising is going to be down. That's no big shock. But again, going back to our block, black swan strategy, the degree to which it's down, I'm not sure the market is capable of recognizing that or pricing it in until it actually happens. Um, also, the one thing I think I haven't seen anyone talk about is the cost of acquiring, I forget what they call it, there's a, there's a, 
there's a word for it in the Google um, world. Oh, traffic acquisition costs is simple. Uh, their traffic acquisition costs at Google are huge. So I think it's like 22% of their ad revenue. And their ad revenue is like over 100, I think like 100 billion a year or something like that. Oh, 22% of that they have to spend to acquire because they have partnerships with like yeah. Yahoo. So like yeah. when you're on Yahoo, it's Google search, right? On Apple, I don't I think Apple might be another partner. You're on Google search. Well, they so there's hundreds of websites that that Google serves ads on. All, you know, all the news sites, every basically and, every ad on the internet is is run is by Google. four that's companies. What, that's what people don't understand, but here's the thing about that. Those traffic acquisition costs back from my day when I used to study Google, I I believe that a big chunk of that is fixed, meaning guaranteed minimums, okay? So what that means is that even if Google advertising on Yahoo drops to zero or on iPhones drop to zero, Google still has to meet a minimum. They're still paying those partners minimum fees, even if they don't receive any revenue. So the well, the, the, that cost might come down somewhat, there's a floor on how low that cost will get. And that's a major risk factor for Google that I think yeah. a lot of people really aren't paying attention to right now. And we need to kind of think what has the market priced in? So unlike Amazon, which is at its, like basically at its all time high, because we think that they're, you know, an amazing company that is going to handle a pandemic well, here's Google. They, they took the drop, but they've come back halfway. I, I think that that basically says that, the market doesn't Google, know man. what to think. That's S&P. That's oh, S&P. Yeah. Well, I think they look the same. <laughs> I, had them, I had them set up. There we go. They do look the same. Google has come back basically halfway from its, its all-time high and its you know beautiful five-year chart to we don't know which direction to go from here. So are they going to are they going to report these abysmal ad revenue numbers that and say something about their forward-looking projections like they've seen in the past two weeks, ads have even decreased more, or have, have we started to see a comeback with um, restaurants in some states opening again? Yeah, I would think they would have to tell some kind of story that this is a temporary thing, and it's, you know, just while uh, they're seeing some of those, you know, local businesses shut down ads. Um, but but long-term, this is, this is going to have an impact, even, even if some restaurants are opening again, they're not all opening and they're not all advertising. They're on this new super razor thin margin at restaurants and other businesses that had to shut down that may have been advertising may not turn the advertising back on as their first step. They may want to just make sure they pay the, the electricity bill and their employees. No, no, no doubt. And also let's, let, let's, it's important to state here, Google and Amazon have two of the strongest balance sheets, right, in the world. So neither of them are really a going concern, um, but that could yeah, play it's, out. It's, yeah, they're not at risk of going away, but they're at risk of having the next six months to 18 months looking very different than what we've seen in the past. But how does that balance sheet actually reflect on earnings? I think it's interesting. It plays differently. It's a risk for Amazon because Amazon has no issues telling the world that it's not as good as they think it is and seeing their stocks settle down some and expectations settle down some. Um, and that is a risk to us as long Amazon investors this quarter, or especially if we have short-term options. The same thing with Google, though. Google's balance sheet is so solid, so rock strong, that I think Google would have no issue being like, hey, it's going to be a super rough year. We're very concerned about the next few quarters. They don't care if temporarily their stock gets knocked down. Yeah. They're not looking to raise money anytime soon. So like, like I like that about Google as being short Google going into this earnings because they have no, they're not trying to protect themselves with investors. Neither is Amazon, which worries me as a long Amazon investor though. Um, but you're, you know, people are right. I think one person just said here, they're concerned being short Google, uh, GC at 1141 or Al Alphabet, yeah, it's called Alphabet now, we still it's call Alphabet, it Google, yeah. uh, is that the market might not care about Q1 and Q2, but instead focus on growth potential in the future as businesses come back to life. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, certainly that that's a, it's absolutely a risk, right? Yeah, being short Google. And and that's a risk that we're aware of. Um, and, we're, you know, we're willing to live with, right? Um, there's just no way to know for sure 
how the market's going to react. I think a lot of it has to do with the words that Google uses, both in their earnings report and in the Q&A uh, of, of that call. Yeah. So listen, people might want to be in Google long term, but if this is, gets really ugly and Google talks about it being a potentially ugly next few quarters all year, people are going to be like, I love Google, but I'd rather buy it lower, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to well, own it up thing. here. I've, I've been a Google shareholder for a long time. I, I haven't sold off. I'm still long Google, um, even though I have the same concerns that you do about it. And you're short now, but... I went from being long, I sold my Google, and now I'm I, short, uh, considerably I, 2,000 shares short. So it's a considerable short position for me. That's substantial. Yeah, I've got, I've got some Google that I'm not really planning on selling. I you know, I still think there's value in that company, so I'm not one to bounce out of it. There's value, but for me, it's relative. Like So it's like, okay, fine, there's value in Google, but relative. if I look at the world of companies right now and who's going to be the – who is being – impacted positively versus who's being impacted negatively. I look at Amazon. I like everything that's happening to Amazon right now. And I don't like the things that are happening to Google and to a lesser degree Facebook right now because of their reliance on advertising. You know, some, you know, some people, I read a comment yesterday and it was really, I think it reflected it great. The, the world views Google as a tech company, and it is in a lot of ways. It has so much technology in its other divisions, but those divisions generally don't produce hardly any revenue. What Google really is, is the world's biggest advertising agency. That's they really what they are. are okay. Yeah. So, like, An when optimized you think, electronic advertising agency. Yes. And when you think about that, would you be investing in advertising agencies right now. So like really think about that, right? When you want to have a position in an ad agency during a pandemic that could lead to, I mean, who knows what's about to happen here in the next few months. I know there's a lot yeah. of- so we, so we just had a comment, it's kind of interesting. It says, Google doesn't make much money off of steakhouses near me. They make ad revenue off of divorce lawyer. And so, you know what? I bet so that we, search is going up more. Oh, yeah, for sure. So do we have like a breakdown of, you know, the sectors that they actually get ad revenue from? I don't know if they, they, they make that information public. They don't disclose it. Um, I mean, you you could. Uh, because there are winners and losers in the ad game right now, too, right? I mean, yeah. you still, you know, people are still searching for um, There are winners and losers, but I, I've seen the, I've seen the pie chart of Google, uh, of the sectors and Google advertising. And I'm just going to tell you, their pie chart is the pie chart of the world. It is almost yeah. evenly distributed for however it. What? I'm on the my my kids. Like, <laughs> know I'm filming a show. I'm on the internet right now. <laughs> so, so, um, listen, you what you have to ask yourself is what percentage of the economy are divorce divorce uh, divorce lawyers and what percentages are not steakhouses necessarily but restaurants yeah, but restaurants. a hell of a lot more restaurants and divorce attorneys advertising on google okay yeah. so and if you look at hospitality and travel and entertainment that's like literally 18% of google or some crazy like that 14 15 yeah. 16% of google so and then you add like small business and oh, by the way do you guys realize that uh, startups who are really kind of hurting right now, uh, they spend 50% or more of their advertising budget between on Google and Facebook, like literally 50. So like every startup you could think of, like the startups that were invested in, we're investing like 60 of them. How many of those startups are aggressively marketing right now have, or they pulled back their marketing budgets because they just want to survive for the next six months, right? Exactly. So and in the pie chart I put up earlier, um, I had merged uh, YouTube advertising and all of the search advertising and the offline. But there, there is YouTube ads, and people are are going to be watching more YouTube. But um, I don't know that the ad rates have held up, even though the the impressions may have increased, um, and the subscription revenue is counted differently. Google last quarter for the first time split out their various advertising on network, off network, and YouTube as three separate line items. Sorry, I'm still distracted from my kids now. People come hitting on me, snap. <laughs> did he just snap his fingers at his kids? Yes, he did. I don't know what I did. Well, we'll, we'll watch it back in slow motion later. They're, they're good kids, but they know my YouTube time is my YouTube time. Um, okay. <laughs> YouTube uh, time. Are they proud that their dad's a YouTuber? 
they're so embarrassed. <laughs> they're so humiliated by it. They think I am like a hundred years too old to be on YouTube. Um, so uh, yeah, listen that that that's my thesis on on, on Google. I, I'm short. Am I nervous? I'm super. I'm super nervous. Yeah. I, I like. I there's just so many things that can go wrong with both of those trades that I did not sleep since our last episode. And no matter how much work I do, I can't definitively feel amazing about either of those trades. It's just the risk reward. It's like I feel good about them, just not amazing. So I'm going to stick with it and we'll see how it, see how it goes uh, the next few days. By the way, Julian, uh, Julian says he would not uh, short them because they have hardware, AI, driverless cars, movies, TV, music. Yeah, but they, they're not doing all of that right now. They, they also, driverless cars are not a thing yet. I can't wait till flying cars are a thing. Yeah, guys, they're, they're revenue. They're, they're, they're going to be winners long term. We're just talking about what happens this earnings. Yeah. Are they gonna, yeah. If they dropped 10%, Chris is going to make a killing. If they go up 10%, I'll be happy because I think I'm staying long. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find, we'll find out, we'll find out soon enough. Right. Uh, I, I do want, before I have to, I have to drop off of this thing in a few minutes before I do, I want to give credit to one of our subscribers. Uh, and I don't have his, I'll look at my Twitter right now to see who is. He tweeted me last week. And we were talking about Peloton and bicycle stores having lines uh, around the block and how we were trying to monetize kind of that trend. And there's this tiny little company out of Canada that a guy found and texted, uh, tweeted to me. Do you have the name of that company, Jordan? Do you remember what it was? It was the bicycle company that owns Cannondale and owns Schwinn. Darrell Industries. Darrell Industries. Wow. The this company is down like 90, 95% off its highs two years ago. It trades on the Canadian exchange, but there's also an ADR that trades in America. So high risk, right? Because yeah. they have three pieces to the company. They they make some furnishings, furnishings. They also make like car seats for babies, and they have like a baby line. And their other line, what's that a picture of? This is a picture of the local bike shop, and oh. it's the only thing I can't I can't get it to focus. But oh yeah, it's the local bike shop, and it's the only thing in this entire shopping center that had a line out the door. Dave, that's Bicycles Plus. I ride my bike by there almost every day, and I have not been by there once when there hasn't been a line literally out the door, as if it's yeah. a grocery store. It's insane. But this company, they do own Schwinn. They oh, could, Dave, can you pull this up? Can you pull up uh, the Schwinn, uh, a Google Trends five-year chart for, for three things on the same page? Schwinn, Cannondale, and Bicycle, right? So those are the two bicycle brands they own, Schwinn and Cannondale. And also, uh, I did. by the way, guys, I did literally zero research on this company because I just didn't have time. They're too small and too illiquid for me to actively trade or put a lot of money in. I bought a couple thousand with 20,000 shares, Jordan, I said I bought just for fun. Yeah. I bought them for fun uh, just to see what happens. They're trading at like a buck 50 or buck 55. I have no idea if this company is a good investment, but I do know that they seem to be the largest bicycle manufacturer that I could find anywhere in the world that was publicly traded. And bicycles are through the roof right now, guys. Look at that chart. Cannondale and Schwinn. What was the I'm, third one you wanted? Uh, just bicycle, just the word bicycle. Um, it is, un this is like a one in a hundred year event for the bicycle industry, right guys? It has to be, like that's just the word bicycle, which obviously crushes the brands. Yeah. But that's like a hundred year style event for bicycles. They only peak, when they peak, Dave, they normally peak in July or something like that in the midsummer, or they peak during like Christmas. Is it, July, it like mid -July? June, July? June, July, May, June, July, every so, year. And then look at this. We've never seen an April peak like that. Jordan, your world is bicycle. So you're super biased because you're like a 
real deal cyclists. But but you said at your store, they were like unboxing. They had just had boxes of bicycles, right? They're trying to build them as quickly as they can. Yeah, my friend's bicycle store. Like I walked in the other day to get uh, a birthday present for my little girl. And they had, bo- I mean, their entire store was just loaded with boxes. And they're just, they have a backlog of trying to build enough bikes for customers right now. It's insane. <laughs> so... I mean, this, like I said, guys, don't go out and buy this stock because it could be the worst company <laughs> ever. Uh, it, like, so there must be a reason. It's like, it's why like a penny stock, basically, though, right? Yeah, there must be a reason why they're down 95% in two years, right? I know they're going through some like restructuring. Uh, okay, is the baby bit? I What's mean, the name of the company? Durell Industries, D O R E L Industries. Is is the baby company going to do okay that they have, like doing car seats and stuff? I mean, maybe. I don't know. People are still going to buy that, right? So maybe they'll do okay. Home furnishings? I don't know. Uh, but I figured this, it was worth This chart, though. Yikes. <laughs> I figured it was worth a, tr- a trade, right? It's a small trade. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't even know when they have earnings, but I'll probably won't even know the day they have earnings if they triple to, to know to get out but yeah that that is their stock but hey we want a bicycle company one of our subscribers tweeted us with the bicycle company so thank you appreciate it now we have our bicycle another trade. tweet keep keep talking i think there was another tweet that i got about another bicycle uh, company. so uh, my big bicycle trade as we all know is peloton i am in peloton so hard and so big um that's the one i went all in on I'm, I'm willing to risk it. Peloton earnings, I think, are this week. And Dave, I know you have a chart of earnings this week. Was Peloton yeah, I couldn't Peloton keep on track of them, so I had to make a uh, a list. Okay. Um, I, I don't see Peloton on my list. Oh, do we? We I, have I, four I was, on Tuesday. That's another, that's another whole a highly special. Hey, May 6th. May 6th on Peloton. Oh, May 6th. So we have a little – that's like next week, right? Um, Friday's yep. Newell Brands, we talked about that on the show last yeah, week. I basically put everything we've talked about in the past two to three weeks that has earnings coming up, I put it on this chart. So you you got Royal Caribbean, you got Duncan that we talked about during our restaurant oh, uh, guys, talk. What the are the big, chances? The big ones are tomorrow, Alphabet, after hours, and Thursday, Amazon, after hours. But we have Southwest tomorrow morning. Oh, my God. We have Omnicon. <laughs> that, is, that is like the biggest ad ad agency right are they going to get crushed question for you like what how many how many like 911 calls are going to happen this week from investors having panic attacks from these (laughs) from these earnings going sour if they're on the other side of them like this is this is an awesome week i've been waiting for this week all month just as a spectator this is for me this is like the playoffs. This is like the Super Bowl going on this week. I can like I don't need sports this week. I'm waiting for 3 p.m. <laughs> like 3 p.m. I am on. I am watching her. I accidentally scheduled some meetings today that I for aftermarket or t- today's fine, but tomorrow, like the rest of the week, I can't schedule any meetings post market. So I gotta be watching this stuff live. Do we, should we uh, should we live cast a uh, a box that has CNBC in one corner and the three of us talking about Maybe. the earnings? <laughs> Maybe, but uh, do people want wants to see us? Let us know if you want to see me get crushed or just see me like really see the high of my world. Like if it goes the right way, show those Google earnings, those Amazon it's, earnings this week. That might be fun. Down. We should think about it after after hours on Tuesday. We should, we should maybe do a live a live stream just to see how much money you win or lose. I don't know. I don't even know if I can handle the stress of like being on <laughs> online when that happens. Actually, we could we could. Um, I mean, the earnings will have already come out, but we could we could listen to the uh, conference call together too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could, it could be fun. Uh, I'm up for it, man. If you want to do it. All right, listen. I got a call starting in like one minute. This I can't answer any questions. If you guys want to go on, feel free. But I've got to drop here. No, we're gonna um, we're gonna wrap it up. We we want to thank everyone for watching. We want to remind you to uh, you know do the old thumbs up thing because YouTube really likes it when you do that. Make sure you subscribe not only to this channel but our other channel, which we're kind of on hiatus. The original Dumb Money. It's all about startup investing. Uh, we've got my channel. Hey there, Dave here. I haven't made a video in a couple of weeks because we're so busy doing other things. But I I promise I'm going to make a video maybe about stimulus and how to maximize your money. I've I've started toying around with some ideas. If you have any ideas, things that you'd like me to talk about, 
Let me know in the comments. By the uh, way, Dave, oh. ne next episode yes. on Thursday, we'll, we'll, a lot of questions today. We will get to these questions. Like, we'll have more time on Thursday to get to all these questions about other stocks and other things. At We're going to talk about how this week's earnings are going to impact the rest of the market going into the weekend. So, like, lots yeah. to talk about on Thursday. Do not miss we'll have Thursday's a, we, We'll definitely have a planned episode on Thursday that will be all about what to expect next week. I think that we'll try to do something live for the Amazon earnings and the Alphabet earnings. I can't, I can't imagine missing out on that. So, basically... Check, subscribe, turn on the bell. You'll know when we're on. And when you do see that we're on, set that reminder so that you get notified when we uh, when we say on the air because it's going to be kind of last minute. All right, Thank you guys luck, for watching. Guys. We're done, money. We will see you uh, tomorrow after hours. Maybe we're done, money. Bye bye. <laughs>